super pumped about today's interview with Mr. James Gardner. And we're going to be talking about Walmart health and the impact on population health. The opportunity for Walmart to do something that no one has done in healthcare in America, in partnering with the independent community pharmacies in their community for very specific reasons, especially to reach those people that live far away from another healthcare provider and the opportunity for Walmart to control the PBM market. All this coming up on today's Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Jonathan. Based on his height and sex, Jonathan weighs enough to qualify as obese. Children who are obese face a greater risk for several other conditions. So how did Jonathan get here? It might be easy to attribute Jonathan's obesity to overeating and a lack of exercise. But that explanation, while medically true, can lead to oversimplified solutions that ignore Jonathan's barriers to wellness. These barriers could vary greatly compared to his peers. Maybe Jonathan lives in a neighborhood where it's not safe to play outside. Maybe Jonathan's family can't purchase healthy food. Maybe Jonathan's community doesn't make obesity management a priority. Maybe Jonathan's school doesn't provide physical education. These types of challenges, called social determinants, can include education, culture, income, community safety, home dynamic, behavior, and many other factors. They comprise 80% of Jonathan's health. Clinical care, on the other hand, accounts for just 20%. If we prescribe a clinical solution without factoring in his other obstacles, how could Jonathan possibly succeed? To truly help Jonathan, we can't expect a simple solution to answer his complex needs. Every community has a different set of healthcare needs, and delivering care isn't a one-size-fits-all model. Jonathan's story is just one of many examples that illustrate how considering the real barriers to wellness can change the way we deliver healthcare and the way our population accesses it. The future of healthcare depends on how we support the whole picture of a person's health and well-being. We must implement creative methods to ensure access to care for the entire population, while we also empower communities to focus on prevention. We call this population health. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm the host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast way back in 2009, in March of 2009, launching the very first episode of the Pharmacy Podcast. I am your biggest fan. If you are a pharmacist out there, I am applauding you right now for what you do for the healthcare industry, as well as territories and communities that have nothing else in any form of healthcare other than their local community pharmacy. And I'm fascinated with the business of pharmacy and how it can be leveraged and how pharmacists can be leveraged to really transform healthcare. Today's a special episode because through a myriad of contacts, 
uh, Jared Johnson, who is a colleague of mine. He is, sits on the board of advisors and he is the founder of Shift.Health. If you haven't heard about Shift.Health, please take a look at it. Once again, just type into your web browser, Shift.Health. And I'm a proud board member of Shift.Health. And what that is, is it's a content development um, vacuum that we get to experiment with things and talk about concepts and then we release it to the marketplace. Healthcare system, healthcare providers are so important to us and we are those marketers. We are the ones that are developing messaging around healthcare. I'm so proud to represent pharmacy within Shift.Health. Um, I am so proud of what pharmacists do for our healthcare system. And when I've talked to Jared, he has introduced me to dozens of people that are part of our healthcare industry, as well as um, people that do analysis, people that do consultancy of how are we changing healthcare during a time where we're in a period of flux. We're in a period of transformation. I don't have to tell that to, to a pharmacist. You guys know that pharmacy is under tremendous amount. It's almost like plate tectonics right now with pharmacy where there's so much pressure on the payment models, the changing of the PBMs, how a pharmacist is going to become more of a collaborator to primary care, the specialty disease states, compounding the world of medical marijuana, the world of uh, some of the most serious, most expensive disease states known to man and in humankind. Pharmacy plays an important role. So when I met James Garner, who really takes time to write, think, and strategize about population health and how many things, including technology, that are pressing down to make things less expensive, to give more access to physicians hands-on with their patients. It also trickles into how pharmacists are going to be looked at as a key provider of health care. I want to welcome James Garner to our podcast. James, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Oh, Todd, I'm so excited to be here with you today. I feel like I already know the secret handshake uh, to your world. And as much as my wife, Eileen, is a hospital pharmacist by training, so many of the issues and topics that you raised um, are extremely familiar in our household. And I, I look forward to a really interesting conversation today about disruptions in the world of primary care, uh, specifically looking at it through the lens of what we're calling retail health and some of the disruptors that are changing how Americans access the healthcare system. Well, your wife doesn't realize that I'm her number one fan, as I am all of pharmacists' number one fan. And um, I'm just, I'm just glad to have you. You have written some things I've read that have really piqued my interest. You have had some opinions and, and ideas to help guide us through the innovation of healthcare that has to do with Walmart um, and Walmart's health play. And um, I'm going to dig into that. But before I do, just give our listeners a little, back, a little bit of your background so they understand who they're listening to today. Thank you for that. So I'm a Boston-based healthcare consultant, uh, bringing to my clients uh, in health systems, physician groups, dental groups, almost 25-year background, um, both in retailing, traditional retailing, but also in consumer goods marketing. And then on top of that, almost 10 years working with the digital health marketing teams at large health systems across the country, 
really helping them uh, make the jump to the world of digital and better serve patients uh, on their journey to care through websites, apps, and other digital initiatives. So I think that's an important role to play, especially when you're able to separate yourself from the entity. So there are health systems out there, there are insurance providers out there, there are physician groups, pharmacy groups, large pharmacies, national organizations, sometimes can't separate themselves from the solution that they're trying to provide our public. And I think people like yourself and people like myself who get to kind of raise 30,000 foot views above the, um, the red ocean, we get to be those blue ocean people. And if you don't understand, if you're listening right now, what I mean by blue ocean, there's a book written called The Blue Ocean. And it's really about moving outside of the churn of the competitive nature of, uh, of healthcare, of, um, of uh, soda pop, goodness gracious, of consumers, of electronics. And you move away from where all the sharks are eating the, the chum and the fish and it's creating the blood in the water per se. But you, as someone who thinks of healthcare as an innovator, you've moved into a blue ocean area where no one's spending a lot of time to think of what is going to happen to disrupt healthcare to set the stage for the next one, five, 10, and 20 years to make an impact to what's happening with population, what's happening with the, the pressure of, of cost to value. And what I wanna dig in with you first, uh, James, is the world of Walmart moving into our healthcare space as a player. And they are poised to do something amazing in order to drive the concept of hypermarket. So hypermarkets are not new to our European uh, world consumers. You can go into places within the UK, within uh, Italy, within Germany, and you can go into a market where they have a dentist, an optometrist, a primary care physician, uh, someone to design a, um, uh, a, a way of you expressing yourself through design services and, and buying your meats for the day. And, and basically these small tiny communities have given their community and their citizen an ability to get almost everything they need. And the, and, and the United States hasn't really grasped the concept of hypermarkets per se until really recently. And, and I remember a time where there was the malls were the biggest things in the world. And you go to a mall and, and, and you go to all the stores and that was kind of our play on what is known as a hypermarket. Um, but now the malls are collapsing. And that is the disruption of how Amazon came into play and giving everyone anything and everything they would ever be able to dream of based on a click of a mouse and being able to put your credit card in and purchase what you want. However, James, you and I know that human beings cannot be without the touch factor and the ability to look at each other and talk with each other and possibly hug each other. And when we're talking about healthcare, James, we're talking about the ability to have a primary care physician make a diagnosis and make some decisions and possibly give that, uh, that patient a prescription and have them follow up 
with, of course, their pharmacist, which is seeing them 10 times more than what their primary care is. So when you and I first talked pre this recording, you and I discussed Walmart Health and how this must might and could disrupt, and I believe it could disrupt healthcare in the United States. Let's unpack that a little bit just to summarize and really set the stage for this discussion. Great. Boy, there's a lot to unpack. But let's, um, let's maybe start just by looking at the world of primary care. And this look at primary care, it's equally applicable in the world of dentistry, vision care, and um, some other fields within that larger healthcare system. But when we talk about Walmart and we talk about Walgreens and some of the other players in retail health, we're primarily discussing primary care. Now, Todd, as you know, and as your listeners well know, primary care is one of the most essential aspects of the healthcare system. I'm talking about the relationship, ideally, that you have with a primary care physician, ideally over a period of time, ideally with a focus on true health and wellness. Um, that's the conventional model of primary care when it's working well. And when it is working well, um, we're seeing a doctor perhaps every year, and they're focused really on our long-term health and wellness. Unfortunately, that model is in disruption, never mind Walmart Health and other things that are going on here and now. More and more we're seeing amongst younger um, demographics a decreased willingness to have that type of long-term relationship. More often than not, they're engaging with a minute clinic at a CVS. They may be accessing an urgent care center. They may be accessing a telehealth solution. They may be using any number of um, intelligent chatbot tools. Suffice to say, adoption and reliance on primary care physicians over an extended period of time, it's on the decline. On top of that, the field of primary care in and of itself is in a sad state. Primary care physicians, unfortunately, are very underappreciated relative to their peers. It's not considered a highly desirable field. Um, overworked and under-respected is a, a sentiment I hear a lot about. And then over the course of the COVID crisis, uh, they've been bearing the brunt of deferred appointments, canceled appointments, and people not uh, taking care of themselves with preventative care appointments. So it's been a really tough slog in the world of primary care. That being said, you're right. Disruption is on the horizon and it's coming from telehealth providers, most obviously, but it's also coming from home health solutions. It's coming from chatbots. It's coming from any number of places. I'm most interested, and I think where we're gonna go today is retail health and its impact on primary care delivery. And when we talk about retail health, we're talking about delivering primary care, which is longitudinal care, not episodic. It's longitudinal care delivered in a retail environment. And that could be a CVS, could be a Walmart, could be a Target, could be any number of locations. Most typically, uh, they're anchored around a pharmacy, which um, will make for a great conversation today. And these retail giants um, are taking advantage of foot traffic, the reputation, the access to a pharmacy to create different models around delivering care. So let me just pause there. Todd, does that make sense? And do you have questions? No, it, it really does make sense. And, and that would kind of dovetail to the subject that we know that Walmart is already our, our nation's largest private sector employer and the largest grocery store provider in the United States. And it's really putting its, um, its services and its footprint and its ability to access 
um, communities into the world of healthcare and bringing um, 13, 14 different new healthcare, uh, Walmart healthcare centers by the end of 2021. And I'm not looking at this from a stock provider's perspective, meaning if you own stock in Walmart, great, high five, you know, go ahead and do that. And I'm certainly not looking at this um, for another healthcare provider to become a multi-trillionaire uh, like the bane of healthcare, in my opinion, which is the PBMs, uh, at least in the existing state of PBMs. What I'm very much a hopeful person, I'm a glass half full person attitude. I'm always looking at the hopeful side is that Walmart sees an opportunity to truly not just buzzword disrupt, but literally disrupt healthcare based on the footprint that they have in all of the people that rush to them for literally almost everything that they need. And instead of being looked at as this corporate giant that tanks through communities to crush the small independent owner, but now turning that and becoming a participant in the communities that they serve through a healthcare environment. And if they do it the right way, James, I think that they can come out a hero and I think that they can come out to becoming a partner of the small employer within those communities and an employer and, and, and a partner of the community pharmacy that also serves those specific territories. I think you make some incredibly good points, Todd. I too have had a journey uh, with my thinking about Walmart. Um, I'll, I'll confess, I was not a fan of the company for the longest time. I saw what they did to retail uh, across the country and had a lot of apprehensions about their ambitions in the world of healthcare. But that's not to say, as I've come to realize, that you can't do well and do good, um, which I think is what we might ultimately conclude uh, will be the impact of Walmart if indeed they get the traction that they're envisioning in the world of healthcare. But let me just step back and make sure we level set on what exactly Walmart is doing in the world of healthcare, because it may not be familiar to a lot of your listeners, and yet it's incredibly ambitious and incredibly exciting. So I think most of us are familiar with the Minuteman uh, concept that CVS has pioneered, where they parachuted uh, care clinics uh, into the existing retail footprint of their stores. Walmart's doing something similar uh, in their pilot locations in Georgia and Arkansas, but at the same time, it's much more ambitious. Uh, as you described, they have long been pioneers in building super centers, which is a combination grocery and hard goods uh, footprint. And what they've done uh, in their pilot locations is extend with net new real estate space, about six to 10,000 square feet, so fairly sizable. And within that new footprint in their parking lots, if you can imagine, adjacent to and attached to the super center, they built an entirely freestanding healthcare clinic delivering not only longitudinal primary care with on-site physicians, uh, so if you need a physician, you will see one, which is different than an episodic care clinic that you may encounter at a CVS. Um, but they've also, alongside that primary care offering, extended it to dentistry, vision, audiology, mental health, and pharmacy. So it's truly uh, what they call a super center of healthcare all under one roof and all integrated and collaborating with one another. So it's truly an 
very ambitious uh, vision for delivering primary care. On top of that, I'd be remiss not to point out the pricing strategy, which in classic Walmart fashion is incredibly uh, low cost, the likes of which uh, folks in the primary care world have never seen. Likewise, dentistry and optometry and vision and mental health. Just case in point, uh, to access a mental health uh, professional, perhaps for an addiction problem or a stress issue, um, it's a dollar a minute. <laughs> so you could have an, an hour uh, appointment with a trained and certified healthcare professional uh, for $60. Um, and that kind of pricing is extended across their dentistry offering, their uh, primary care offering, such that many believe there's a new market that they're creating, which is the uninsured, uh, of which lamentably there's far too many, but also the underinsured, which is a concept we don't hear talked about much, but it's people with high co-payment insurance plans that effectively limit their access to the system short of a catastrophic accident. Case in point, if you were seeking mental health counseling or you were looking for preventative dentistry, you may have quote unquote insurance, but it's useless. And in the absence of a co-payment, uh, you're likely not going to access the system. Walmart's pricing and their convenience and their locations promise to bring tens of millions of Americans into the system and get them access to much needed health and wellness care. So when we talk about doing well and doing good, that's the exciting vision that many have about Walmart's potential role in the healthcare system. I can't help but to use the imagination. I think of certain rural areas of the United States, James, that the only healthcare provider within that 10 mile radius is a community pharmacy. And there isn't a Walmart in play within the area, but you drive 20 miles away and sure, sure enough, someone uh, spends their Saturday mornings driving to pick up groceries at their local Walmart. And then all Walmart, in fact, understands how to actually get healthcare paid for. And that is the disruption of one of the aspects of healthcare that most of us do not understand. And that is the pharmacy benefit manager. And I've said this to you before, Walmart has an opportunity to dig into the different facets of healthcare expense and pick on the PBM model all by itself and fund 100% of the entire dentistry, x-rays, primary care, specialist, whatever they wanna fund, probably three times over. And I know that's a big number. But I under, also understand the play of what our current model of PBM is. So what I'm saying is, is imagine a world where Walmart has the availability in a 20-mile, 30-mile radius for clinics that offer x-rays and hearing services and mental health counseling and dentistry and pharmacy and uh, primary care, obviously that actually builds a network of, of pharmacies through their services that says, listen, if you're not within driving mile, mile radius or if you're not comfortable driving 
a specific amount of miles, five, seven, 20 miles away to pick up your prescription. Uh, we can uh, engage some community pharmacies in order to not only deliver your prescription, but also follow up with your therapy, follow up with the chronic condition that you're experiencing, your hypertension, your diabetes. We got to keep this under control. And if, and if Walmart, who has originally, James, been thought of as an enemy of the independent pharmacy or the independent primary care provider would be embraced as a hero or a hub. And hub services, James, are enormous within the healthcare scope. And if they collectively pull together the communities that they serve and engage the community pharmacies that are in those communities in order to roll out the follow-up on services that are, of course, are put into play by their primary care physicians. They could do something that's never been done before within the scope of healthcare, and that is leveraging that individual and that entity that is really a healthcare destination um, for uh, patients that are underserved and or not uh, served whatsoever and really make a play. And, and that's what I'm excited about. Even though I'm anti, you know, this big um, corporate moving box or tank to roll over the small player, I think there's a reverse opportunity here. And I see Walmart having a, a huge opportunity to disrupt healthcare and come into communities where we have um, all of these little Walmarts, they have the smaller Walmarts, they have the medium size, and of course they have these super centers to really playing into how do we serve these communities? How do we keep healthcare accessible? How do we drive down the cost of, of someone going to the emergency room because they haven't been keeping up with their health care? And how do we embrace a pharmacist who sees our patients 10 times more than what a primary care provider is, is, is seeing them? And James, if you could mix that together and come up with a formula, Walmart has a play that not one other entity, including the giant that is Amazon has to play in this and they could keep ahead of an Amazon in health. And I know that's a big statement, but I honestly believe that if they embrace what is before them in the healthcare service providers that are community-based, they could really do some amazing things. What a huge idea, Todd. Um, let, let's, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, you're so right, first of all, um, in terms of Walmart's unique assets that they bring to the, to the table here. Um, 3,600 super centers across the country, another 1,400 uh, storefronts, including Sam's Club, uh, which gets overlooked, but in and of itself is a huge uh, force in pharmacy um, and in retail more generally. Close to $500 billion in revenue uh, every year, um, close to 2 million employees. So they're just an epically large um, force uh, Larger than Amazon, of course, which uh, doesn't get talked about very much, but uh, they're noticeably uh, and markedly larger. Um, what also I, th I think is worth mentioning is just the fresh thinking uh, within the leadership team at Walmart. They are open uh, as they realize the opportunities within healthcare and some of the threats, let's be honest, from the Amazons of the world and the Walgreens of the world, um, none of whom they discount at all. Um, but there's a surprising open-mindedness to ideas that perhaps a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, would not have been entertained. And your idea is certainly one of the bolder ones. Um, 
but definitely plausible from my understanding of the PBM industry and how Walmart goes to market. What do you imagine would be the hurdles in getting an idea like that off the ground, Todd? So status quo is definitely the first hurdle, and that is the placement of Express Scripts and Optum and CVS Caremark. They already have their claws into how things work. However, Walmart has the attention of the community. They have the attention of the buyer. They also have the buying power. And if they could turn around and build a benefit to an employer that actually is in the same territory that they are, meaning if they're going to roll out these health centers, James, in very specific areas and targeted areas where they do it methodically, which is the only way to do it is in order to make sure that it's working. And depending on those super center areas, they look at those employers that are in those areas and they reach out to those human resource departments and they say, hey, how many employees do you have? We estimate you have 600 employees. And if you take 600 employees, you can easily times that by 2.3 which is the average per household. And they're usually area, different areas, there's more. Therefore, we wanna service your, um, your organization, not only with healthcare services, primary care services, follow-up services, but also pharmacy services. And if they could scale that and, and make those uh, drug manufacturers understand the throughput, they could easily go to those manufacturers and say, we're creating our own pharmacy benefit management entity, and therefore we're going to save our communities millions and millions and millions, if not billions of dollars per year because of the fact that we know, we know, James, based on uh, metrics that we've already picked up by three access um, advisors who have done studies, um, uh, the, the, the team at Drug Channels who does a you know, million studies per year and what they found in, in PBM um, rebate and spread pricing and all of the stuff that's the fat of healthcare spending, we can easily uh, cut that in half, if not more, and being able to bring this back into the community control where Walmart physicians, Walmart dentists, Walmart specialists are sending prescriptions back to a pharmacy that's also in the community, if not Walmart uh, pharmacy first call, in order to service and follow up with the most chronic of our patients, which by the way, James, is the most expensive of our patients. So we're crushing diabetes. We're ensuring that they're not falling off their meds and their adherent. Adherence packaging comes into this. Um, I, I, we could easily talk about just the adherence packaging of how that could save money. Then we turn and we go to the hypertension patients where we know that that's also in flux. So I think there's a multitude you bring up the disease state, you go to the community, you engage Walmart, you let them know what the opportunity is of being a service provider, not only to the employee, but obviously to um, the, um, the consumer that's there in their community. And you basically make that a centrifuge for healthcare in each community that they drop one of these Walmart health centers into and test it and see how profitable it is to the point that you get to a scale point where you really start infiltrating and threatening the existing PBM services, which I believe far exceeds the expense of just general healthcare based on the profit that's involved versus what profits are involved in, in primary care. Todd, I feel like you should just drop the mic now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is a colossal and exciting idea. 
if I can, um, do you dare me to try and build on it? Yes, of course. There's talk in the industry about where this may lead. And you talked earlier about blue ocean strategies. And you may well have been a fly on the wall in Walmart's corporate boardroom because they are always looking for blue ocean opportunities, uh, of which there are a few, um, just given their size. And they're not looking for small ones. They're looking for massive ones that truly can move the needle for a $500 billion organization. Healthcare is one of them, but health insurance is another one. And you can imagine a scenario in addition to what you described, where they're also working with payers uh, and employers in their local communities and developing a network that would serve both the primary care needs of uh, the insured, uh, but potentially refer people with special access needs, you know, dermatology, oncology, orthopedics and whatnot, that Walmart Health will never offer, but offering referrals into a well-defined, high-quality, low-cost network locally that would keep costs uh, under control and ensure good coverage uh, for people within that narrow plan. That alone could um, change the face of health insurance and potentially bend the cost curve of American health. I absolutely agree with you, and I like the fact that you are trying to get the, the local provider to stay in play, and I think it, you're going to see success differentials between one territory and the next. But if there was always the underlying commitment to keep the community involved, which means customization, which is definitely a need today, then in, then in fact, I believe it would be successful. I think if you try to paint uh, one swath across the entire nation, you're going to fail. And I think Walmart needs to understand that because there are some uh, there are some territories, James, where Costco comes into play that does better than maybe a, a superstore Walmart plays. And I don't think you run from your competitors, but I think you run to your competitors to figure out how do we service our community from a healthcare perspective without always having to give up the almighty dollar, and that is the sharing of where we have a specialist in place or where we have a um, someone's already had a head start in place, and then we find out where the gaps are. And here's the gaps. We have consumers based on data that we understand. We know who shops at Best Buy. We know who shops at uh, Costco. We knew who shops at Walmart. We know who shops at Amazon, we, we just know this based on big data. And if you could take that data regionally and really find what your sweet spot was and where that gap was, who, who's in there, who's missing. And you know who's missing? In my perspective, in my opinion, it's the individual who doesn't have health insurance, who stays away from the doctor because they're afraid of, of, um, of paying that bill, they're afraid of the cost, and what happens to them. They become super chronic, they become um, emergency room um, infiltrated and injected into the healthcare system. And now we have millions of dollars of costs year after year after year of these emergency room people. Whereas the maintenance is so much less expensive if we could weed out those individuals in the community and asking them through their school systems, asking through their community centers, asking through some of their state representatives who are out there who are concerned with these people and asking, 
What's the barriers to you coming to Walmart in your territory and getting a checkup, getting your annual wellness checkup, which we know is served and, and covered by many of the government agencies that are already in play with the, with the dollars that are available. And then from that checkup, what's our next steps to make sure that we keep you as healthy as possible without you feeling like you're going to pick up this enormous bill in, in play. And then the second phase, Jay's, is of our, uh, uh, James, which I've already said, is engaging that small, medium-sized employer. Yeah, you're so right. The crisis of uninsured and underinsured uh, continues to bedevil the American health system. And it's the driver of immense costs, because you're right. When people don't access the system preventatively, uh, they tend to engage the system during times of crisis, which typically is an ER visit or some other type of serious, serious and costly uh, meltdown. So solving that uh, problem by improving access and affordability um, is potentially one of the most exciting ideas in the world of public health. And we should be clear what Walmart is doing in Georgia and Arkansas, they still refer to it as a pilot. So we need to watch it carefully. Um, we know that they have plans to expand into Florida so that is a sign of confidence on the part of the company that the model seems to be working, but there's still a lot to learn. Uh, and as you point out, Todd, uh, every market ultimately is local. And Walmart more than anyone understands that, but we in healthcare uh, would do well to remember that as well, that the competitive environment in Chicago, where Walmart will soon have two locations, is gonna be very different than rural Georgia, uh, where they've been opening a number of centers to date, which is gonna be very different than what they'll find in Jacksonville, which looks to be on the docket in 2021. So there's learning going on, there's refinement to the model, responses of every market and every community, including relationships with community pharmacists. Absolutely, we know that uninsured has actually increased recently. Um, we know more than 5 million Americans have lost their employer-sponsored health plans during, to the, during this pandemic and have not secured alternate health insurance. And that's according to a study by nonprofit consumer health care advocacy group called Families USA. There is a, an opportunity when you're talking about an uninsured um, the number one employer in the country right now is Walmart. Therefore, they have some insights to ensuring um, the underinsured right from their employer, uh, being an employer overall. There, in fact, is where Medicaid contracts come up, where Medicaid could look at the outcomes of services being provided by um, Walmart as a healthcare provider and, and make that very cyclical and make those, that data, those data points and the data that's being shared extremely tight. And then you start to grow outside of that. Now we're talking about employees who are not employed, employed by Walmart and then what kind of services that they have currently available and being able to contrast that with the services that Walmart could um, offer but then also the insurance side of this, which includes health insurance, but also includes the PBM side. And I think in that in and of itself, there's two sides and there's 
there's really two pieces of this, but I think that there's a, a huge opportunity in in being very regional and being very specific about your um, your communities and the communities that you serve. But I'm actually excited about it as much as um, as much as I am pro independent community pharmacy. I'm also looking at this as an opportunity for community pharmacy to step up and become involved in the rollout of such a healthcare model in order that uh, we keep um, our communities healthy. And I think communities that are healthy in general are going to be much more profitable. Absolutely. Now, Todd, it may be unusual, but can the guest ask a question of the interviewer? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) We have much speculation in my world but what life will be like for clinicians, um, both doctors, but also optometrists and dentists, uh, as well as nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, the whole complement that will be ultimately staffing a Walmart health clinic. We look to the world of pharmacy where Walmart has a long history um, of employing uh, clinicians, uh, seemingly at scale and seemingly with great success. But help my friends and um, my followers understand what might it be like to um, be recruited by Walmart for a position in one of their clinics? And then what might life actually be like on a day-to-day basis? Would it be an enjoyable workplace or is it going to be an incredibly regimented and strictly monitored uh, type of experience? Help me understand that if you could. So I have heard through the grapevine of all things pharmacy, which is the only thing I really pay attention to. So sometimes I need to pick my head up and look at other facets of healthcare. But when it comes to pharmacy, I've heard, uh, you know, nothing's perfect. And the reason why nothing's perfect is because companies are run by human beings and humans are never perfect. So, however, based on the, the flux of all things pharmacy, I'm hearing very good things about the work environment of pharmacists who are employed by Walmart. So when I hear about uh, Walmart spreading its wings into other facets of healthcare and some of these healthcare centers, it excites me. As a matter of fact, um, the APHA, the American Pharmacy, um, American Pharmacy Association collaborates with Walmart to provide a free comprehensive opioids training program for all United States pharmacists and pharmacy technicians nationwide. The reason why that gets me excited, James, is because Walmart is saying, we're going to train pharmacists and pharmacy technicians as a part of our ongoing effort to help curb the nation's opioid epidemic. It's a real starting point. And to have the APHA partnering with Walmart on this is huge. And this news just came out actually today. So it's exciting to see that Walmart's really picking up um, the pace of, of being involved and, and not having to be the expert in everything. We know what they're an expert in and we know that they're good at it, but they're looking to even pharmacists to kind of pick up the, um, the gaps that are happening in the opioid epidemic in and of itself. So this online training program, which was originally developed in 2018 for Walmart and Sam's Club pharmacists, they're going to push this out on a national basis. And all healthcare practitioners uh, have that responsibility to identify and preventing opioid misuse. And what better player than the pharmacist to be the end-all, catch-all um, for opioid epidemic and how many times things are being prescribed and sent out and refilled and really giving metrics back to um, um, the, the Walmart teams as well as the wholesale teams 
as well as the regional DEA teams to understanding where are we seeing um, an influx of, of opioids and opioid prescribing and really being able to dr drill down into that. And, and to be able to help pharmacists specifically, I think is a great bookmark um, to be able to come back to it, to be able to say, now, how do we leverage the knowledge and the abilities of, of pharmacists in our communities to follow up on therapies that our quarterback, which is the, the primary care physician, has passed into the specialist, to the dentist, um, to the, um, you know, the x-ray technician, um, and of course, to the pharmacist as well. So I, once again, I'm excited about the premise, um, but I think it's really a matter of coordinating and, and execution at this point, James. That's exciting. Thank you for that. And it's, it's gratifying to hear that Walmart has such respect for its clinicians and is managing and attracting them uh, so successfully. Um, Todd, with the time we have left, do you want me to touch on Walgreens and some of the other players in retail health, or have we covered enough ground for today? No, I do, because I think let's make some presets to, to have you come back and kind of, um, instead of just the overviews that we've provided today, maybe we dig down into some of these um, healthcare issues, healthcare rollout issues and scalability. And uh, listeners, we want feedback. So if you want to become part of this conversation, I'd like anyone and everyone that really wants to participate, either do it by email or, of course, become part of the conversation. But I invite other people uh, that are in the healthcare space, especially disruptors, to become part of this po uh, podcast mm -hmm. conversation. Okay, we'll save that conversation for next time. If your listeners are interested in engaging with me uh, on social media, they can find me on Twitter at James A. Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R. -E You'll also find me quite actively using a few hashtags, uh, one of which is uh, Walmart Health, uh, as well as Retail Health. Those are two of the most common ones where I'm sharing news articles, development, in some cases, speculation. <laughs> um, you can also find me on LinkedIn by searching for James A. Gardner. And again, you'll find some of my longer firm articles, uh, which Todd, you've kindly described today, getting into more and more of my thoughts about the future of primary care and some of the disruption that we've talked about today. Todd, what hashtags do you use and where can listeners find you? So I use hashtag TwitterRx, and there's only one R in that. It's uh, T-W-I... T-T-E-R-X, um, and that's one of the main ones. And then, of course, hashtag pharmacy. Um, the pharmacy podcast kind of leads in some of those hashtag-driven discussions based on really the, the evidence that we bring up with some of our uh, Twitter as well as Facebook and, and LinkedIn discussions. But very easy to find our team of 45-plus pharmacists who are participating in these podcasts. Um, topics and development. If you're a pharmacist and you want to participate, um, please reach out to us at publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. Once again, that's the word publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. James, we have to have you back because I just love having the other side of healthcare, which is, you know, primary care and retail health and how Walmart's going to implement a, um, a strategy to really serving the communities that they're already in. And it makes sense to me. So um, I'm, I'm all for this. Todd, thanks so much for having me today. It's been a really thought-provoking discussion. I've learned a lot and I've got some next steps, which um, will bear fruit in our next conversation. Thank you. 
I appreciate it, James. You were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. My name is Todd Yuri. I'm the founder of Pharmacy Podcast Network. You were listening to a conversation with James Gardner, who really is an amazing healthcare analysis provider and consultant out there. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. 